Praise the Lord. Amen. God's got a plan. Hallelujah. Uh, Some things happened last weekend in our journey to Alabama and back for service. Um, I issued a challenge to some folk in the congregation. And so we have embarked on a journey together to read the Word of God in 90 days. (laughs) And um, so... We've uh, been at it a week now. Um, well, I guess to, today ends the first week um, because everybody except me started on Monday. Um, so anyway, we're reading the Bible through in 90 days, and um, I, I have got nothing but good reports. Not that it has been real easy. Parts of it have been difficult, just... Sometimes, every, yesterday for me, everything in the world got in my way to keep me from spending that time in the Word. And really, it's only about an hour, maybe an hour and a half, depending on how you read and um, how fast you read. Um, so it's really not that much time. We waste an hour a day, every day, doing much of nothing, or I do. It's easy to waste an hour of day of the day. But this has been such a strength to me, and and I posted it on Facebook, and I've had four people outside of the church contact me and join in the challenge. So um, if you're interested and you're not uh, already in the challenge and you want to take it up, get with me, and I can can show you how to do it, or I can send you the reading uh, every day uh, via text message or, or email or what have you, and uh, get on board with us. We're going to have our Bible completely read through before the holidays even get here. And um, it, it's just, for me, it's been an, a strength. Uh, just, I, I can't even put into words how it's helping me, just knowing that each other's reading and we're all working together for that goal in the Word. So I praise the Lord for that. Um, it's been awesome. And then we are starting um, Tuesday night services, and Pastor will be speaking to you more about that. Um, so for your Tuesdays up if you can so you can be in the house of God. Amen. Let's stand this morning and open with a word of prayer. i got some scripture I want to share with you. Sister Lisa is on her way back home. Her third grandbaby is in the process of coming forth. Amen. (laughs) Little Austin has decided that today will be his day for his entrance into the world. So keep Rachel and uh, little Austin in your heart and prayers today as they go through that birthing process. Um, And I know that Sister Lisa and Pastor will appreciate that. Father, we thank you this morning for your mercies and grace. We thank you, God. Hallelujah, that you're God. Oh, Lord, we thank you this morning, God, that you are supreme and holy. You are our creator. You are our father. You are our beginning and our ending. And we praise you this day. And Lord, we just, we just come before you and we ask you, God, to take this service, God. Make it, God, what it needs to be, should be, can be, and what you would have it to be, God, in each of us this day, God. Give us ears to hear you, God. Open up our understanding, God, and help us to see with your eyes this day as we go forth in your word, Lord, to learn more about you. Have your way in this service, God, every part of it, and we give you praise. And the church said, 
Amen. Hallelujah. I want to share with you something that uh, has struck me um, in, in our reading. Um, I've made it through Genesis. Um, now y- y'all can be seated. And um, Joseph, uh, there's a lot that can be learned from Joseph in the Word of God. Amen. He is an astounding person to me, uh, just the way he met difficulty and and how he dealt with it. So uh, in Genesis chapter 45, um, I know we all know the story of Joseph and how he was um, not liked by his brothers because God gave him visions and, and they didn't like the sound of the vision. They didn't want to think that they would have to bow down to their baby brother um, or that he would be an authority over them and um, even his own father didn't want to receive that that dream and that vision. So his brothers conspired and, and were going to kill him. But then it was decided that they would sell him off into slavery in Egypt. And he went uh, into Egypt and he worked for the... Uh, the, the king and, and for Pharaoh, and then he ended up being falsely accused and was thrown in prison for something he didn't even do. Then when he helped somebody else get out of prison, they forgot about him and left him there. They didn't keep their promise or their word, so he stayed in that prison. Have you ever been in a prison? Have you ever been in a prison in your spirit and it seemed like you just could not get out? It seemed like it didn't matter how much you did or how much you prayed or what you thought or what you said or how many tithes and offerings you paid. It just would not let up. You could not find that out. You ever been there, Sister Pat? Hallelujah. And you think... Well, God, have you forgotten me? God, what have I done? God, help me, God. And you just keep crying out for help, but it just seems like there is no help. It seems like nothing will change. I'm sure Joseph must have had moments when he thought, well, just how long am I going to be here? Just exactly, I wonder what is God's plan for this situation and circumstance. But eventually he did come out of prison and he was restored to Pharaoh's house and Pharaoh set him as second in command in all of Egypt to handle the food and bring in the harvest and set up for the seven years of famine that were coming. And then when the seven years of famine came, um, his own brothers did travel from their home looking to buy food in Egypt. So let's look at verse 45. Um, This is after Joseph has sent them away and then they came back and um, they had found the food, the money for the food had been put back in their bags. And so they were, they were terrified. They were going to be accused of stealing and, um, cheating the king and all of these things. And finally in verse 40, uh, chapter 45, verse one, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all them that stood by him. And he cried cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. Up to this point, they didn't realize it was Joseph they were dealing with. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence. I'm sure they were thinking, oh, my word, we have been 
discovered. <laughs> we have been found out. Amen. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be eating nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. That does something to me on the inside. That his brothers could plot to kill him, sell him into slavery, do all of these things, bring about seemingly be the cause of all this hardship all these years that Joseph has known. And what is his answer to his brothers? Be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. So I would ask us this morning if we can take just a few minutes, uh, take a time out when we're feeling that prison that we can't get out of, that trap that seems Sister Deborah to just engulf us and surround us and it's eating up our spirit. I don't know about you, but when, when I get grieved in my flesh or angry in my flesh, my spirit is grieved. I know things aren't right and in right order and that grieves me, Sister Pat. It does. I don't like to be out of order. Amen? In my spirit. But if when we get in that place, we would take that time out. And we would look at the situation that's making us so angry and so frustrated. And we would understand that it's not that person. It's not that situation. It's not that thing that's going on. But that God has a purpose for us. He got a little bit more work, Brother Justin, he can do on me. Amen. He got a little bit more carving and tweaking. Hallelujah. A little bit more pruning and shaving and it don't feel good. And we don't like it lots of times. And we want to be justified in ourselves, don't we? That's human nature. Well, I don't deserve for you to treat me that way. <laughs> Joseph surely didn't deserve what he got. At the hand of his brothers. But it's amazing to me that he could say, Don't be angry or grieved with yourself. Basically, he's saying, You did just the right thing, what God wanted you to do, so that I could later preserve your life. This was all God's plan. Amen. If you turn over there to uh, the last chapter, chapter 50 in Exodus, by this time, his family's moved to Goshen and he's met with his father and he's had relationship again with his family and now his father has died. And so now the brothers are uh, troubled yet again because they felt that it was daddy <laughs> that was keeping the uh, uh, spirit of Joseph so nice toward them and so kind toward them that he was doing it for daddy's sake. But now daddy's gone. And they're thinking, oh, what's he going to do for us now? 
If you look at verse 15, and when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. Surely he going to get even with us now. So they devised a plan and, and, and they sent a messenger unto Joseph saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we we be thy servants. Now, right there, there's a prophetic dream that came to pass right there. Amen. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. Man, that just does something in me this morning. I had a frustrating morning. Hallelujah. In my flesh, I just had a really frustrating morning. Hallelujah. And I had anger going on and frustration going on and some self-justification going on. There was a lot going on in me this morning. And when Brother Justin and Sister Deborah came to my house this morning and as they were leaving, I looked at Brother Justin and I said, please pray for me. I got to get my spirit right. I can't go to the house of God like this. Amen. I knew, Sister Pat, we know when things are not right in our spirit. Hallelujah. But if we ever take a time out long enough to get a self-check going on, hallelujah, and we ever look at ourselves and say, you know what? It's all right. Don't be afraid. And we can comfort the one that's opposing us. We can be kind to them. We can show them the love of Christ. We can, we can welcome them in and cherish them even though what they did was evil even though it was wrong we can have that kind of love for them and provide comfort why because that's christ in us right that's all about christ in you the hope of glory taking on his character amen taking on the mind of christ clothing ourselves it's not an easy thing done but i'm so thankful this morning that God has a way to remind us. Hallelujah. He has a way to teach us and show us. If we're sensitive to the Spirit and if we'll listen, hallelujah, He can set things right back in right order. Amen. I'm thankful this morning that there's grace. I'm thankful that there's mercy. I'm thankful that the blood is there, Sister Pat, that forgives me and washes me and makes me clean. Hallelujah. That covers all of my shortcomings and my faults and my, my inefficiencies. Hallelujah. I'm thankful this morning that God is righteous and He's holy and He's God. Amen. He is my beginning and my ending. And without Him, I am nothing and I don't want to be anything. Hallelujah. But I want to serve him, Sister Deborah, with all of my heart. I want to give him everything that's on the inside of me. So much so, ain't Pat, that I want to let go of the flesh, those emotions, hallelujah, that try to trap you. 
and force you into a place you don't want to be in. Amen. I'm thankful this morning. Do you love the Lord this morning? He's wonderful and gracious in every way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful this morning. Praise the Lord. My, my, my. Y'all just let's take a minute and see where the Lord wants to go next. It's funny. When Sister Lisa called me this morning and said, would you front the service? I had to chuckle just a little bit. (laughs) After the morning I'd had. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm thinking, me? (laughs) I ain't in a place. Hallelujah. But you know what? We are. Hallelujah. We are because of him. Hallelujah. We are. And I think back to the, I thought back on the way up here to the service last Sunday and the word of God that so overtook Sister Lisa and spoke to the congregation. Amen. And I began to think, Brother Justin, the old Kathy would have shut down. Hallelujah. I would have shut down in the spirit because of everything that had happened this morning. And I would have been rather ineffective in the service today. But I said, you know what, God, I can't take myself out of the game. I don't have the right to put myself on the bench, hallelujah, and sit down and do nothing. But I got to have a right spirit. Amen. So I asked for it. And you know what? God did it. It's not anything that I can do. But if we'll learn these lessons and be quick, hallelujah, to put things under the blood, be quick, hallelujah, to get our spirit right with him, amen, then there's no chance or opportunity for the enemy to sit us out on a bench, hallelujah, somewhere. You know, the word of God came to Sister Lisa last week, ain't Pat? And one of the things he said to us was... um, that we don't have the right, hallelujah, to take ourselves out of the game. We don't have that right. We're not the coach. He's the coach. Amen. And that we're blaming Satan for some things, a lot of things that are not Satan's fault. Satan has been defeated. That's a done deal. Jesus has already taken care of that. But we come back in and give the game back to Satan and let him have his play with it and try to give him glory by saying Satan did this and so. Hallelujah, it just ain't so. It ain't so. It's all about what we do and how we perceive and and how much we're willing to reign our natural man and emotions. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful this morning. So thankful that God's teaching me. Hallelujah. So grateful that he, he continues to teach me and grow me. Hallelujah. For his sake, for the sake of the kingdom that I can be a part I'm so thankful, ain't Pat, to be a part this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Philip, you got my thing plugged up back there, son. Hallelujah. I'm going to try this song. I may mess it up. Hallelujah. And if I do, that'll be all right. But it's been in my heart for two weeks now or more. And uh, I've never uh, sang it. This will be the first time I've sang it for the Lord in service. I'm sorry. I've got to get the words up. Hallelujah. Y'all just worship the Lord for just a minute. Give me a chance here. Thank you, Jesus.
Okay, there we go.
you thankful tonight today hallelujah that the day star <laughs> sister pat he can take everything that's wrong and make it right if we'll submit hallelujah if we'll just submit to the working of his spirit he'll take what's wrong and make it right i'm so thankful this morning for that hallelujah 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 lord we need your leadership god what would you have for this day and the rest of this service, God? Move by your spirit, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. God, I worship you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
for a few minutes. Amen. Would you just close your eyes and think for a few minutes about that amazing grace? Would you consider for just a few minutes this morning what His grace means to you? Hallelujah. What chains it set you free from? (laughs) Hallelujah. What victories His grace has brought into your spirit and your life today. Would you spend a few minutes and just reach out to the Lord and worship Him? Offer Him some praise this morning and offer Him some love. 
offer him some consideration amen hallelujah give him a little adoration from your heart this morning and just love on the Lord and tell him how you love him this morning it's it's all about that relationship amen Lord we love you this morning hallelujah I love you Jesus I thank you God I thank you for your grace Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, do a work in us this morning, God. God, go to the very core of who we are today and change the way we think, God, and change the way we act. Lord, change our perception, God, of situations and circumstances and life, God, and cause us, God, to have right thinking this morning, God. Cause us, Lord Jesus, to take on the essence of who you are, Lord, and allow you, God, to be God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, God. I stand in awe this morning of who you are, of your majesty and your glory, God. I stand in awe. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you're mindful of your children today, God. Let our hearts be prepared for your word today, God. Let our ears be tuned, God, for your voice and your word. Let our hearts receive, God, the revelation of your truths today that you can continue working in us and changing us, Lord. We worship you this day, God. We worship you this day, Lord. Hallelujah. Have that own way. Have that own way, God. Have that own way, Lord. <laughs> oh, not our will, God, but thine be done. Not our will this morning, Lord, but your will. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. God, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm sure Pastor will be coming out in a moment. Hallelujah. I would encourage you, if you're not in your word every day, to make it a, make it a goal. Hallelujah. Make it a commitment to do that. It's working something in me. I want to be changed, don't you, Brother Justin? I want to be different. I want to do everything that God would like to do in me and through me. I don't want to hinder his hand at all. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the word this morning? My heart's prepared. I'm anxious to see what God's going to say today. Hallelujah. Thankful. Thankful for that word. My pastor's been posting some things on Facebook. He's been getting some opposition from some folk. <laughs> but I read it, Sister Deborah, and I think, thank you, Lord. You put me under that word, God. You led me to that place. You gave me this man of God as my shepherd to teach me and lead me. And I am thankful. I'm thankful for that this morning. Amen. Pastor, if you're ready, come on. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Jesus. How many of you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? I'm excited about what God's doing. Says, Kathy, I'm going to have to have some handkerchiefs. Uh, but I want us to go to prayer. And I really feel like the enemy tried to hinder a lot of people today by this word that I'm going to preach, but that's all right. God don't depend on people for the word to be preached. But I know that I won't cover all this today, but I believe what God is fixing to have me minister on is going to change the course of the church. I truly do. So let's go to prayer. And what I want you all to do is we're going to have to start pulling some things down in prayer. You know, God got to dealing with me about the power in prayer, and I ministered on the power uh, of intimate prayer. And I'm going to minister on it here again. But the Lord began to show me we're going to pull some things down in prayer. You know, the Word of God plainly says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and against everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. You better believe the enemy is going to stand up and exalt itself against the knowledge of God. But I feel like that God is bringing us to a place. And I'm going to tell you that word I preached on a new beginning. You might as well get ready. God is bringing in some new people. And we fixing to enter into a book of Acts move of the Holy Ghost. I tried to, I, somebody tried to tell me the other day. Oh brother Metter, the, the church age is over. God ain't going to restore this uh, fallen away church. God ain't going to move for nobody. And only if you. I said you are dead wrong. I said there's fixing to be a restoration. God said there was. You know, in Acts the third chapter, the Lord spoke and He said in Acts 3 and 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And it went on and talked about how that the heavens are going to receive Jesus until the restitution of all things. We fix an enter into the restitution of all things. And He said, I've spoke it, by the mouth of all my holy prophets since the world began. So there's, there's been a speaking of the restoring of all things since the world began. Since there's been prophets. Since there's been men of God. God has spoken of the restitution of all things. And we fix and enter into it. God didn't give me that word of new beginning just for something to do. God didn't give me this word to, to get us back on track in what I'm fixing to minister on today. You can rest assured of one thing, the church is out of order. And God's fixing to put it back in order. Because there was a move of God in the book of Acts. God set the church in order, poured out the Holy Ghost. And while the church was in order, souls were saved everywhere. And there the Bible said there was added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen? Daily God. When have we seen God add daily to you? don't even hardly see the church added to yearly. But it's because things are out of order. Things fix go back in God's order. Amen. So we got to make up our mind we want this or we don't. We got to make up our mind we're going to fight for it. We're going to set our hearts to seek God. Uh, did you announce about the prayer meeting, Sister Kathy? Okay. Uh, Tuesday night we're going to start gathering here as a church body at 7.30. Just go to prayer. There ain't going to be no introduction. ain't going to be no preaching. Ain't we just going to come in and go to prayer. You get here, go to prayer, you get finished, you're welcome to leave. Because I'm going to tell you, I've been getting caught up in prayer 
And I'm getting the place where I ain't going. I ain't. I ain't coming to pray a certain length of time. If I get all caught up in prayer, I'm staying in prayer. Because there was one night here, I was in prayer at 9.30, going on, probably going on 10 o'clock. We probably got started about 8. And man, I mean, I just got caught up in something. A couple of nights, the Spirit of God just hit me. And I just got lost in prayer. I'm ready to pray and get in a relationship with God that God's going to visit His people. You know, the, the Word of God talks about in Daniel. Daniel said, I see a people that do know their God. And they shall be strong and do exploits. We fix to see some exploits, people. We fix to see some exploits. And I had somebody post on my page on Facebook. They said they remember hearing about a story about William Brannan. Uh, that he was doing something. And he ran into a nest of hornets. Them hornets swarmed around his head. And he said just a calm and a peace come on him by the Spirit of God and he said now I want you hornets to listen to me said I know I've disturbed you he said but it was an accident he said but I am a servant of the Most High God and he said I'm on my way to pray for somebody a child of God said now y'all just gonna have to get yourselves back in order and get yourselves back because I didn't mean to disturb y'all and I won't do it again. And it said every one of them hornets fell in line like soldiers and went right back in that hive where they came from. You say you believe that? You better believe I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Because I remember reading about the incident. I didn't know about the hornets, but he was walking across the pasture going to pray for somebody and he got in the pasture and there was a killer bull there. And that bull started charging him. When he did, the Spirit of the Lord come on and he spoke to that bull and told that bull, he said, I'm a servant of the Most High God. And he said, now, I didn't mean to disturb you. I didn't mean to get on your territory. He said, but you're just going to have to get right back over where you come from. And he said, leave me in. And he said, that bull turned around and walked away from me. I believe in these things. I believe in these things. Because about two years ago, I was in minister's meeting down in South Georgia, and I had a dream. And there was five or six of us standing in the cabin there. And I got up that morning and prayed. And I went into that, laid back down. I went in that dream. And in that dream, there was a wild animal come out of the woods. Couldn't tell if it's like a big dog or a wolf or what it was. Couldn't really tell. But it come out of the woods to attack me. And when it did, I spoke to it in the name of the Lord. And turned around and went back in the woods. And then the scene changed. And I was somewhere. And somebody heard a woman scream. And when I looked, there's a bunch of people gathered around this woman. And she had fell and broke her leg right here. And the bones were sticking up through the skin. You could see the break. And I walked over and knelt down, put my hand on it. And by the Spirit of God, that bone, I watched it. It went right back in the leg, went right back together. God sealed the wound up. You couldn't even tell nothing had happened. Oh! <laughs> That's the kind of God that I, we, we fix to see the manifestation of it. But before we can see this manifestation, things got to get back in order. Things got to get back in God's order. And we got to start operating in what God's give us right here in New Testament Church in L.J. And I believe we are. I believe God has given us the wisdom and understanding to come together. And we're going to start laboring. And we're going to see souls added to this church. This church fixing to grow. I believe it with all my heart. So let's go to prayer. And you make up your mind you're going to fight. And we're going to start pulling down the opposition that's standing against this church. Because I don't care. It doesn't matter to me whether these folks that call themselves Christians come or not. I'll take new people. 
I'll take the drug addicts. I'll take the whoremongers. I'll take the alcoholics. I'll take people bound by the devil. I'll take them and God will set them free because Jesus said the harlots and publicans going to go into the kingdom of God before some of you. He fixed to reach out there in the streets. Hallelujah. He fixed to reach out there in the streets and get him some brand new people. Get people just like your husband was, Sister Deborah, when God saved him, drug addict. Drug addict. Y'all don't know what that woman went through dealing Brother Donald on drugs back, what, late 80s, early 90s? I mean, she went through a lot. Had two small kids. Went through a lot. Went through a lot. Y'all hear me? But God moved for her. God's put His hand on her and Brother Donald. I ministered to him last Sunday. Yeah, oh man, you talking about a service, man. We had a service. God moved in such a great way. And the Lord told me to anoint people according to their calling. And I started anointing people according to their calling. I ministered to Brother Donald and Sister Deborah. Told them they were anointed to be evangelists. Things fixing to change. They fixing to win souls. We're fixing to win souls through Jesus. We're going to fill this church up, run it over, do something new, build something new. We're going to do something, but we're fixing to run this church over because God is setting the church back in order. So we're going to start going to prayer and pulling down some strongholds. I know what God showed me about this church. I know what God showed me would happen if we will go to prayer and seek the face of God. Spirit of God's going out of this place and He's going to start drawing people. We'll start drawing people. Don't y'all know that can't nobody come to the Father except the Spirit draw them anyhow? You, can't, you ain't going to just go out here. I had a pastor asking me the other day. He was talking to me about some things. And he said, how do we win souls? How do we get people in the church? I said, well, you don't do it through programs. And you don't do it through promotions. And you don't appeal to their flesh. Because I heard Sister Daniel say one time, you win them with a hamburger, you got to keep them with a cheeseburger. <laughs> So if you're just going to do something natural, draw people, you're just drawing their flesh. I ain't what God wants. God wants somebody hungry. But I'm going to tell you, God reaches out there and gets somebody bound on drugs, sets them free. That liberty comes into them. And they turn to serve God. They're going to serve Him out of love. They're going to serve Him out of a grateful heart. They're going to serve Him because He set them free. That's what's fixing to happen. People will serve God because they love Him. They ain't going to serve Him out of duty. They people today just come to church out of duty. They come to church out of obligation. They've lost their zeal. They've lost their fight. They've lost their joy. They've lost their peace. They've lost their passion to serve God. I want to see somebody with a passion to serve God back like it was when I got saved in 72. And there was hundreds of young people in that church down there in Alabama used to walk them grounds all hours of the day and night. To, uh, probably close to 200 of us, you'd go to that church and you'd find any time, day or night 50, 75, 100 people walking them grounds, praying, fasting seeking God, they were all young people between about 17, 18 years old in their mid-twenties, just starving to death for the reality of God because God had set them free we're going back to it, we're going back to it, we're going back to it we're going back to the love of God, we're going back to a passion and a zeal of the Holy Ghost, we're going back to a fire burning within us, it ain't going to be problems. It ain't going to be singing. It ain't going to be God. people putting on shows and dramas. It's going to be the love of God. It's going to be the joy of the Holy Ghost. And the church going to walk in peace and comfort and joy of the Holy Ghost. But we're going to pull down some strongholds. So if you don't want to fight, you're just going to get left out. We're going to tear this thing down. I told God the other day, I said, I've been in... Ella J, I said a little over a year in that church, and I said, time for something to happen.
How many of y'all agree? Time for something to happen. So let's make up our mind to fight. Will you go to prayer with me? In the mighty name of Jesus. Master your word says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down imaginations. God and everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Lord, do we come to that place at every obedience. God, that every word that we come into the obedience of every word of your nature. That you can live and walk and breathe and move. In, you, in us you can live and move and have our being. And Lord, we're invoking that word today. You're going to give us the zeal. You're going to give us the wisdom. You're going to give us the understanding. And you're going to give us the ability to start tearing down these strongholds. God, right here we got people that the enemy set in on. God, right now I pray for Brother Thomas and Sister Cat. God, I come against these powers that's worn against their mind. Lord, it's trying to pull them down and destroy them. Lord, you give them strength. You give them wisdom. You uphold them in your strong right arm. I, I know it's a trial, Father, but you give them the grace. You give them the mercy and you give them the wisdom and understanding to walk this out. You stand up in them, Jesus. Son. You stand up in them, Lord. God, Brother Kevin, you stand up in him. God, he was in here. He was hungry, God. You were doing something in him. You stand up in him. God, you visit his heart. You visit his life. I, Lord, there's people that's come to this church. Lord, I believe the enemy I, has pulled them out. I, God, and I fight for them by your word, by your spirit. I, but Lord, I'm also asking you give us souls. I, give us the souls of men. Give us people I, in this community that's bound by Satan, bound by powers, I, bound by darkness, bound by forces. I, give us souls, Master. I, give us souls, Lord. Give us souls. I, and let this word of your anointing. Let this word God as we begin to pray and bombard these heavens. Lord as we come together on a church right now just on Tuesday night to pray God. You anoint that prayer. You you move. You touch that prayer. You gift it God. You give people the desire to get here and you let us come together in one mind and one accord in unity of the spirit. God that we have the same judgment the same mind and speak the same thing and let your will be done in this service today in Jesus name Amen Hallelujah and since I posted about this prayer going to start on Tuesday night I done got three churches done got three churches going to prayer with us and people in different states said I'll pray with you I'll pray with you I'll pray with you We'll come together with you on Tuesday night. We'll join with you. We'll come into unity. Tell me God ain't doing something. You can't hardly get people to pray, but for churches to say, we're going to come together and pray with you, Brother Matter. This is what we need. One pastor said, you talk to me about getting in the church and praying every night. And he said, and I've been doing that. And he said, we've been praying just here and there. He said, we're joining with you now. He said, this is what we need. We need this unity. We need this fight. We need this strength. We need this understanding. We need to be able to go forward. Amen. Don't you love the Lord? Man, somebody give the Lord a good praise. Hallelujah. Somebody asked me sometime, one time, said, don't you get nervous when pre people praise God? I said, no, I get nervous when they don't. 
Hallelujah. But I won't talk to you out of the word as much as God will lead me and let me go today. But I feel like this word needs to be ministered to the whole church. So I'll probably be ministering on it next week also. But you just pray for people. Sister Susie had an emergency come up. And Brother Donald just got caught in some situations he had to deal with. And nature took its course with my daughter. Her water broke and she's headed to the hospital, probably at the hospital now, so that's where my wife is headed. So we just had a lot of little things, but that's all right. God's still God. Yes, Amen. Yes. He'll he'll still talk to us. Yes, yes. How, how many believe he'll still talk to us? Amen. Are you excited about what God's doing? Yes. Are you excited about what God's doing? Man, ever since God spoke to me about a new beginning, I can't get this thing out of my spirit. I'm just excited what God's doing because I know he's bringing something in. And the Lord got to dealing with me last night or early this morning, I can't remember. But I was in prayer and God got to dealing with me about Joel, the second chapter. And, you know, in Joel, the second chapter, Joel started talking about, I'll pour out my spirit on your sons, on your daughters, your handmaids, your servants. They'll prophesy your... Uh, Old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, and you're going to see blood and fire and vapor, smoke, sun be turned to darkness, and moon into blood. And You know, sometimes I'll just start meditating on the Word, and that Word was rolling around in my spirit. I said, God, I said, you didn't do all that on the day of Pentecost. Peter stood up and quoted the Word. He said, this is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he went down through there, and then he got down there, and he said, there shall be signs in the heavens, blood and fire, vapor of smoke, or pillars of smoke, sun will be turned to darkness, the moon will be turned to blood. And I said, you didn't do all that. The Lord spoke into my spirit. He said, "Day of Pentecost was the former rain. He said, this is fixing to be the latter rain. He said, so what I didn't fulfill on dead Pentecost, I'm fixing to fulfill now with the latter rain moving of the Holy Ghost. I said, well, hallelujah. <laughs> ah, sometimes you just got to love it. You just got to love what God's going to do. But I'm going to 1 Corinthians. Let me see. I think I got one before that. Yeah, I do. But I can read either one. Let's just go to 1 Corinthians 12th chapter. I'll just go there next. They'll both tie in together. But I'm just so excited about what God's doing. And there are people that are excited about it. They are. They're excited about what God's doing because I, I can feel it. I can feel excitement. I can feel joy. And I can feel revivals. And I'm going to tell you, if I can get some of these tent preachers to take a tent and go to a town... And stay there more than three days. And get in there and fight for revivals like I used to. I didn't go to a town for three days. My God, it took me three or four days to get my tent up. I'm serious. It, it'd take a day to put the poles up, the cables and the stakes. This tent we had out here, Sister Pat, my revival tent was three times that size. And I had one that was about four or five that size. And you didn't put it up in three hours. It'd take you a day just to get poles up. It'd take you another day to get the canvas up once you got poles up. Then it'd take you another day to put the platform, the lights, and everything else. So with three or four days getting ten up, I wasn't going to preach no three or four days and then take down leaves too much work. <laughs> I'm going to stay there and fight something out. 
If I got to go to that kind of trouble and labor, I'm going to stay and fight something out. But I've told preachers for years, don't go into town and stay no two, three, four, five days. Man, get in there and dig it out. If you know God sent you, stay the revival breaks. Pray it through. Walk in grounds all night like I used to. Pray all night long. Start praying after service. Pray till the sun comes up. And I said, it won't be very long. God will start saving souls, delivering and healing. And I said, revival will break out. And I said, instead of you going to stay in two or three days just drawing a few church folks, I said, you'll have a tent full of sinners. You'll have a tent full of people who need healing and delivering and setting free. And it was in 84, I started taking a baptistry with me. God told me, get me a baptistry. Went and got me a, a, a horse trough about seven foot long, about that deep, filled it up full of water. And in that tent meeting, I opened that tent meeting with 135 people after the Lord told me to get that. And I'm going to tell you something. We baptized four or five every night. People that got saved and got delivered and got healed. And I stayed there probably nearly three weeks. Every evening about time of service, it'd start pouring down rain. And I had a low spot under the tent. And that low spot had flood. Had to go buy a, a little sump pump. Pump the water out. We wound up putting 33 bales of hay on the ground on that side of the tent. But I'm going to tell you something. That rain didn't slow people down. They kept coming. And within a week, 10 days, was running. Uh, the, the maximum of the tent was about 200. We was running between 2 and 250. We had to stand around the walls. And God saving and healing and delivering. And I was in that town two years before. Didn't draw five people. But it wasn't God's time. It wasn't. Everything's got a timing. Y'all know that? To everything with the Lord, there's a time and a purpose and a season. God's got a season for everything. Ella J's fixing to have her season. Ella J's fixing to have her season. Man, I feel the working of the Spirit of God. Are y'all with me? Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles... Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret it? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Now let's go to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. And I know I've expounded on this, but I want to get in to the working of the ministry in the church if God will allow me. So when y'all in Ephesians 4, say amen, let me know. Hallelujah. I want you to have your Bibles. I want you to have the Word. I want you to follow along with me. Glory. I just believe, you know, a lot of people today that come to church with a tablet, they want to read their Bible on a tablet. I believe you ought to bring the Word of God. I believe you ought to bring a Bible. Amen. I believe you ought to bring a Bible. There's just something about reading the Bible. And you did talk about the, the Bible challenge, Sister Kathy. Yes. Okay. And everybody needs to get in on this because it will help you create a discipline of reading the Word of God. It will help you create a discipline. And we all need a discipline. Yes. It's making a difference in you, ain't it, Sister Deborah? You enjoyed it, ain't you? I tell you, you can enjoy the Word of God. I got to where I used to read the Word of God for hours. When I first got saved, I'd read the Word of God for hours. 
And you can believe this or not, but I'd actually be reading the Word. It's like it'd start talking to me and coming off the page. Because I, I would, I, I, I'd start reading and I'd read two, three, four hours. I'd pray and I'd go back sometimes read two, three hours again. I love the Word. And putting that Word in me all those years ago like I did, a lot of it's what's kept me. It's kept me because I study it, I know it, I believe it, and I still study it. Still read it, still believe it, still get it in my spirit. Because God's always revealing something different about it. That's what's good about the Word of God. You can read it, think you know it. Turn around and read it a week later, and it's brand new. Amen? It's brand new. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The Word of God just keeps getting better and better, and I say gooder and gooder. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. From Ephesians 4 and verse 11, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints... That word there means maturing and completing of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. There ain't but one faith. And we got to come in the unity of it. Amen. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a complete or a mature man unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And when this happens, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You know, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, when that which is perfect, our mature, complete has come, he said, that in part shall be done away with. And right now we know in part, we prophesy in part, we understand in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And Paul went on and likened it like verse 14 here. He said, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I thought as a child, I understood as a child. He said, but when I became a man or when I grew up, he said, I'll put away childish things. Here Paul said that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. When you're, when you're young, you can be easily persuaded. When you're young and innocent, you don't know the dangers out there. And there's people that prey on young Christians. They prey on people. Because they want them to believe their doctrine. They want them to, they, they try to build up a name for themselves. They try to build up something in their self. And there's dangers out there. But God is bringing us to the place that that which is perfect, that's what the Lord told me on September 23rd, 2015. He said that which is perfect has come. In other words, he was telling me the knowledge to bring people to maturity is going to start being revealed. God is revealing something to bring us to maturity that we be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. We've got to be stable. We've got to be solid. We've got to be rooted and grounded and established in the faith. It's hard to find people really established. People are flighty. They're wishy-washy. Amen? They're wishy-washy. Oh, you can get people to believe a little bit here and a little bit there. But I remember I met a man years ago in Cedartown, Georgia. It's back in the 70s. 
I used to preach on the radio in Rockmart, Georgia. They had a big gospel station there called WZOT. Reached way out. And I'd take my own money out of my own pocket. And I wasn't making much money back then. Working for, a, I think, a dollar and a quarter, dollar and a half an hour, two dollars an hour. Trying to, I think, no, then I was making two dollars and fifty cents an hour. And that broadcast cost me twenty-five dollars a week. And I'd take my money and I'd drive 45 miles to that station and I'd preach on there live every week. And that's where I, that's really where I started preaching, was on radio. I love radio ministry. And I feel like there'll be a time God put us on radio up here. I do. I feel like God's going to put us on this big gospel station up here and we're going to declare some truths. We're going to declare the Word of God. Amen. So y'all start praying about that because when God gives us the finances, we're going to put it in action. I believe people need to know the truth. I believe there's people out there hungry for the truth. I believe there's people out there hungry for the reality of God. Amen? So, uh, and I I stopped at a little restaurant coming back one day. It got me something to eat. I was just coming off a three or four day fast and I met a man in there and I started talking to him about the Lord and, and uh, said something about the news. He said, well, we don't watch TV. I said, really? I said, well, do you listen to the radio? He said, no. I said, do you read the newspaper? He said, no. I said, well, what do you believe? He said, the Bible said God sent them out two by two. I said, yeah, I know that, but what do you believe? They went out and preached something. What do you believe? All that man could tell me was that God sent them out two by two. That's all he knew. All he knew. There's some people know water baptism in Jesus' name. They don't know anything else. Some people talk about being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. They don't know anything else. Man, it's time to get the full knowledge of God and get equipped that we can deliver this generation. Amen. Are y'all with me? Anybody with me today? So what I want to deal with, I want to uh, deal with Ephesians 4, what I just read, and I want to deal with 1 Corinthians 12 and 20 because they say the same thing. So, this is what God began to deal with me about about a week ago or two weeks ago is we've got to have these five ministries working right here in this church. We've got to have them. We've got to have them. You may not have an apostolic ministry right here in this church that stays in this church, but there's going to be one that's going to govern the area. You may not have a prophet per se right here in this church but I believe you will because the prophets were in the church at Antioch and I'm fixing to show y'all what really set me on this course if you'll go to Acts the 13th chapter with me I'm fixing to show you I read this scripture and God started putting this in my spirit and I like it when God reveals things to me but I'm going to tell you sometimes God stirs me up when he stirs me up, my wife tell you I ain't easy to live with because I just get agitated about things that ain't right in God's eyes. Y'all with me in Acts 13? Verse, verse. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Serena and Maim which had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called him. So see, Barnabas and Saul, being, a, uh, being apostles, they were there too. 
So at the church in Antioch, you had apostles, you had prophets, and you had teachers. And the Lord started dealing with me. I don't know how big the church in Antioch was, but God said the five ministries ought to be working in the local church. The five ministries, we ought to have five ministries working out of this church right here. Ought to have five ministries. But today everything's come down to the pastor. The pastor is the head of the church. The pastor is the central figure of the church. The ministry nowadays operates off of pastors, evangelists, and teachers. That's what it operates off of. You cannot come to maturity with three ministries. You've got to have five. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.11 that he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You go right to verse 12. It says for the perfecting or the maturing of the saints. You cannot mature the saints on three out of five ministries. It's like trying to bake a cake with half the ingredients out. Something ain't going to happen. Something ain't going to taste right. Something ain't going to cook right. And I'm tired of trying to cook this thing and ain't got all the ingredients. And I'm ready for God to put all the ministries right here in the church. I'm ready for God to put the apostolic ministry, which I believe God is putting in my spirit. But the Lord told me late last night, he said, just because you're called to an office or chosen for an office, that don't mean you know how to operate in that office. You got to learn how to operate in an office. And you got to be patient. You got to be diligent. You got to grow in the Spirit of God. Y'all hear me? When the Lord spoke to me on uh, April the 11th, 2015, and told me, that man ministered to me. He said, Brother Matter, the Lord wants you to know what he's doing. He said, You're an apostle. I mean, we were in prayer in the church. Was you there, Sister Kathy? We was in prayer at the church, and I was on my knees on the platform praying. And when he stepped on the platform, man, I felt fire run across the platform. He laid his hands on me. The Spirit of God went through me like fire. And he said, you're an apostle. And he said, the Lord has chosen you, and you fix to go forward and plant many churches. He said, this revelation God's put in you is the same revelation. He gave the apostles and prophets in the New Testament. He said, you fix to go plant many churches. And I think I brought the prophecy up here for y'all to read it so you'd know. Was you in the prayer meeting that morning? No, y'all probably wasn't there. It was during our April meeting in 2015. And uh, that's right, not too long after I come out of the hospital and the devil tried to kill me because he knows. This thing, this word, fixing to do so. I'm talking about worldwide. But I remember God speaking before he spoke that and he told us, he said, I'm bringing the body of Christ together all over the world. All over the world, God's beginning to bring people in. What God's fixing to do in this revival, what God's fixing to do in this great move of God, there's people out there that are called of God, that's never had an experience with God, don't know anything about God, and God's fixing to bring them into the reality of God. He's fixing to reach out there and get people that are called of God and chosen to be used of God, and He's fixing to bring them into the fold. There's people out there backslid on God and bound. Are y'all listening to me? It backslid on God bound. He's fixing to pull them in. Because God's bringing this kingdom together. 
God's bringing this thing to its fullness. And I remember preaching it here and he told me out of Ephesians 1 and 10, he said, when the dispensation of the fullness of times has come, that's what we're moving into. We're moving into the dispensation of the fullness of times when everything has been lacking to bring us to maturity and perfection has been missing, hadn't been revealed all down through the years. God's bringing it to revelation now. God's bringing it to our understanding. In Fort Payne in 2012, I remember the Lord speaking to me. He said, I'm fixing to open the seals. I'm fixing to start unveiling mysteries. I'm fixing to what's been sealed, what Daniel sealed up, what John the Revelator uh, was told not to write with the trumpets. He said, I'm fixing to reveal it. Time. The visions Daniel had, God said, seal them up to the end. These things fixing to be open, children. Now, we're going into the greatest church age and the move of God the world's ever seen. And I want it. And I'm going to get it. I'm going to press on this thing. I'm going to knock on this door. I'm going to seek the hand of God. Hallelujah. I hope I don't have to do it like Paul did from jail, but whatever. Whatever's got to be done, it's got to be done. And I'm going to fight the good fight of faith. I'm going to lay hold on eternal life. I'm going to seek the face of God. And I'm going to press this thing through. I'm going to press this thing through. And I need somebody to fight with me. I need somebody to press with me. I need somebody to pray with me. But more than that, I need somebody to seek the face of God for you to take hold of what God's called you to do and anointed you to do and get this ministry active in this church. The very reason church ain't going nowhere is the fivefold ministry ain't active in it. There's calls of God here. I don't know what your call of God is. I know what your call the Lord told me you was. Sister Kathy's called for a, a, a pastor and a teacher. Sister Deborah, evangelist. Brother Justin, evangelist. But what's active? You understand what I'm saying? What's active? We're coming. We're receiving the Word of God. We're praying. But now it's time to start doing something with our calling. If we gotta, if we gotta have a teaching service two or three nights a week, I don't care. I guarantee you, there was something going on every night at the church in Antioch. I guarantee you, with all them ministries, all them called of God. You tell me you had two apostles there, you had prophets, you had evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and there wasn't something going on every night. I bet you there was something going on all day long. I bet you there was something going on half the night. Are you hearing me? I, I guarantee you. See, back then they had their meetings in the daytime because they had to have uh, torches and stuff to light at night, so they had their meetings in the daytime a lot. Back then they done their preaching in the day and not at night. And people gathered in, but there was something going on. I, my God, if we got to get something going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I, souls start getting saved. I, people need teaching. People need to come pray. I, my God, let it be. We'll put a revolving door on the thing I, and let them just come in I, and go out. Come in and pray and go out. I, my God, come in and teach and go out. I, uh, people need to be taught of the Lord. I, they need to be taught of the things of God. That's what you teachers are for, is to teach people you things of God but first and foremost I, we got to get back to the apostolic ministry I, so that the apostles can establish I, the churches and the people in the faith I, it ain't for everybody to just go out and start a church now we've done the best we could because we didn't know no better when I went to Fort Payne to start church I didn't know nothing about an apostle needed to come do it Lord just told me, he said, you go to Fort Payne, Alabama, you open up a church. But I knew it was the mind and will of God. 
I didn't know I was an apostle doing it. <laughs> I didn't. But see, the, the churches that were started in the book of Acts, they were founded by apostles. I don't care where, I don't care who you had to go where. The apostles had to come in and set the church in order. See, every ministry has its function. And you can't function outside your ministry. You're not supposed to. And we just got out there and done what we could, done the best we could, done everything we could, any way we could, because we didn't know no better. Now God's bringing the knowledge in. God's bringing His order in. Everything's got to go back to God's order. Are y'all following with me? We've got to have that apostolic ministry. And that's why I put these scriptures in here about the apostolic ministry and about what they've done and how God used them. And I've exhorted on a lot of it. And I hope y'all are enjoying this exhortation that I'm putting in here because it's just the thoughts God's putting in my spirit. And if you look at page 2, First Scripture, Act 2, 42 and 43, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. When that same verse of Scripture in that same context there, it says they went from house to house breaking bread. I didn't put it all in there, but I asked the Lord here a while back, I said, God, why did they go from house to house breaking bread? I said, why, didn't, why wasn't everything done in the church? He said, the first service Peter preached, he said, on the day of Pentecost, he said, they had 3,000 added to the church. He said, they didn't have a church big enough for 3,000. So they just started going from house to house, ministering to as many people as they gather in the houses. And they went from house to house, ministering and breaking bread or breaking the Word of God. And God began to do great signs and wonders and miracles. I know what I'm preaching ain't going to be popular. I know people fixing to pull back on it because I saw pastors guarding their church like a dog with a big bone but I'm going to tell you something this apostolic ministry steps on the scene starts raising the dead they start walking the streets in their shadows healing the sick and the spirit of God begins to do many signs and wonders and miracles the Bible said in Acts 5 great fear came on the church we're fixing to have fear we're fixing to have Anon Sapphira's drop dead in the church because rebellion and lying and uncleanness I, we fixing to see an act of God I, and they're going to know an apostles ministry I, has been established and walk among them we've got to have this leadership we've got to have this defining I, leadership I, setting the church in order I, of the book of Acts I, and we're going to keep spinning our wheels we're just going to keep having good church People just going to keep shouting and singing and coming to church hearing messages and ain't nothing will happen. Because you can't bring the church to maturity without these five ministries. You've got to get people founded first. You've got to get them grounded. And it's got to be the apostles' ministry to do it. Nothing else to do it. Nothing else is chosen to do it. Every ministry is chosen for a reason and it has its purpose, has its function. Just like every organ of your body has a function. Stomach can't do what the heart will do. Heart can't do what the liver will do. Amen. Liver won't do what the kidneys can do. Everything has its function. Everything has its purpose. Everything has its working part. 
And God is putting the working parts of the body back together. And that's what my wife told me. She said, man, you start preaching this. She said, you're you going to have pastors on you like crazy. They're they going to say, you're going trying to start some kind of kingdom or something. I said, no. I said, the Spirit of God's fixing to establish the apostolic ministry. The Spirit of God's fixing to establish great signs and wonders and deliverance. I remember a young man used to work with me in the church in Fort Payne, and, and I loved him, and I tried for 15 years to get him in a relationship with God. Never could get him grounded. But he had a dream. I mean, many years back, he said, Brother Matter, he said, I seen you and me walking the streets of Israel and said, your shadow was healing the sick and raising the dead. I said, oh, my God. I said, that Israel would have to be the Israel of God. It'd have to be the restored people of God. Hallelujah. See, God, that's probably 10 years ago. God showed him. Said, I saw me and you walking the streets of Israel and you're having great miracles. This is shadow was healing people and said, you're raising the dead. Can you imagine where God's fixing to take us? Can you get it into your hearts and minds? I, this is the visitation that God I, has prepared for us in this last day. I, it ain't going to just be good church. I, some people will say, well, I want to go back to the days of uh, Jack Cohen, A.A. A. Allen William Brannan. I, not me. Some say, I want to go back to Smith Wigglesworth. I, some say, I want to go back to Azusa Street. I, not me. I'm going all the way back to the beginning I, where God created man in his likeness and in his image I, and gave him dominion over everything. I, I'm going back to Psalms where it says, What are man I, that thou art mindful of him and the son of man I, that thou hast visited him and set him over I, the works of thy hands. I, I'm going back to the fullness of Christ. I, I'm going back to what Paul seen. I, he said that I may know him I, in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering I, being made conformable unto his death. I, if by any means I, I attain unto that resurrection of the dead. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there, Sister Pat. I'm going to put on the power of this resurrected Christ. I'm going to put him on in the fullness. I'm going to walk in him. I, I'm going to live in him and he's going to live in me. I, I'm going to walk in him and he's going to walk in me. I, hallelujah. I, in him I'm going to live and move and have my being I, and my life I, is going to be hid in Christ with God. I, the only thing going to be shown is the Christ. Paul said, I'm crucified to the world, and the world's crucified to me. Hallelujah. And the life that I now live in the flesh, it's not I that live, but it's the Christ that liveth in me. I asked somebody one time, I said, I said, do you believe in having the mind of Christ? Oh, yeah, I do. I said, you believe what Paul said in Ephesians 2, and I think it's 5, that let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. They said, oh yeah. I said, did you know that mind involves the mind of a man as well as the mind of God? They just looked at me. Like, Brother Ben, what you talking about? I believe it's in 2 Timothy, the second chapter and the fifth verse. It said, there is one mediator. There is one God, one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. So, when I told them that, they said, hmm. I said, yeah. I said, you ain't in the ability just to have the mind of God. I said, you got to have the mind that was in Christ Jesus. Because that man part's got to be there. He's the intercessor. When you pray, it goes through that man, Christ Jesus, goes to the Father. When the Father answers, it comes from the Father, that man, Christ Jesus, and then to you. He's that go-between. You don't have direct access. 
You couldn't stand it. That makes sense to y'all. That's the reason when the Lord gave me that visitation. And I took that clay and I twisted it together. How many of y'all have been in that service where I twisted that clay together like a DNA? And the Lord told me Jesus and the Spirit of God become so twisted together till He became the Christ. Because He's part man. We got to have wisdom in natural about things. Jesus had to have wisdom in the natural about things. Am I making sense to y'all? We got to have wisdom in the natural how to do things. It ain't just going to be having the mind of God. It's going to be let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The man and God mix. The man and God mix. Hallelujah. <laughs> are we going somewhere? Yes. I said, are we going somewhere? So we've got to have that apostolic ministry. First and foremost, set things in order. Amen. And the Lord said in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, said, for I have set some in the church. First, apostles. That's your, that's your main ministry. I don't believe one Lord over the other, but I believe one has authority. Did you know? And this is something the Lord told me way back in 91. The Lord's been putting these things in my spirit for years. This ain't, they ain't something just popped up. The Lord told me back in 91, He said, Church today's built wrong. I said, Really? He said, It's built wrong. He said, I did not intend for my people in the last days to be led by the prophet's ministry. He said, it's out of order. He gave me that scripture, I believe it's in Matthew 11, where Jesus said, to right now, to John the Baptist, up to John the Baptist right now, said, you've had the law and you've had the prophets. From John the Baptist forward, the kingdom of heaven which is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teach. It's fivefold ministry. From John the Baptist right now, you had the law and the prophets before. They brought you to this place. Now the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it before us. The New Testament ministry is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers to bring us to the kingdom of God. Do y'all remember the visitation I had? And I know you've heard me preach on it back in 98 where I saw Joshua standing on the banks of Jordan and the voice of the Lord spoke to him said, Moses, my servant is dead. And I saw Joshua turn and look at the tent. The tabernacle was set up. Everywhere they set the tabernacle up under Moses, the pillow of cloud come down in the day, the pillow of fire come down in the night. When Joshua turned and looked at it, Pillow cloud wasn't there. It was never seen again. When Moses died, pillow cloud left the tabernacle. Pillow fire left the tabernacle. It was never seen again. Are y'all with me? And that's when the Lord told me. He said, The word that brought you to the knowledge of the kingdom will not is not enough to take you into the kingdom. He said, I'll have to reveal something more. So God is beginning to reveal knowledge now to go into the kingdom. But the law and the prophets, they prophesied till John. But the Lord told me, he said, it's not meant for the prophet's ministry to take my people into the fullness of God and lead my church. He said, it's out of order. It's out of order. You've got to have five ministries to lead the church, not one. And your main ministry is the apostles. And then he said in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, secondarily, prophets. Prophets are the eyes of the church. 
You hear me? They're the, uh, they see. God deals with them in dreams and visions. God talks to them and the word of the Lord comes to them. When that brother ministered to me, he said, you've been a prophet, you've been a pastor, you've been an evangelist. I'm sure I was a teacher in there somewhere. <laughs> but he said, now, you're an apostle. I didn't even know that God looked at me as a prophet, Sister Pat. I've seen many things happen. Many things come to pass. Spoke many things, but I never considered myself a prophet. Never considered myself anything but a good evangelist. I evangelized for 17 years, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, you've done the work of an evangelist. you made full proof of your ministry. That's what the Lord told me after 17 years. He said, you made full, full proof of your ministry. You've done the work of an evangelist. Had great signs and wonders and miracles. A lot of people healed, delivered, set free. That's the reason there's people on drive. Sometimes hundreds of miles to be in my tent meetings. They get set free. They get healed. They get delivered. They couldn't get this word anywhere else. That one lady is praying with us over in Mississippi. Uh, Sister, Sister Linda Culver Foster. Her husband passed away two or three years ago. But... Before she married, her and her daddy would drive anywhere in Mississippi and sometimes in Alabama I was. And it could be 75 or 100 miles. They'd drive my tent meetings, be in the service, go home knowing she had to get up and go to work the next morning. But she loves the Word of God. She loves what this Word reveals. She loves what God's doing. Are you hearing me? And now she's one that's joining prayer with us on Tuesday night. She's one that loves this Word. And it made an impact on her life. She's seen great prophecies. She's seen healings and deliverance and miracles. And when the Lord told me that, it wasn't just a few years after that until he put me being a pastor. I wasn't looking to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a pastor. Had no desire to be a pastor. I was happy being an evangelist. I loved what I did. The only thing I didn't like about it had to be away from my family all the time. Didn't like it at all. And there's some, there, there's a lot of Evangelist come to me and said, Brother Metter, I couldn't do what you do. I couldn't stay away from my family. I couldn't be on the road all the time. I said, well, I feel like it's the call of God. And I said, I just suck it up and do it. There'd be many times I'd pull out of my driveway knowing I was going to be gone 14, 15, 20 days. Before I got the end of the driveway, I'd be bawling because I knew I wouldn't see my wife and kids for days on end. There'd be many times in the trailer because I always have my travel trailer behind the tent. There'd be many times I'd go into prayer late at night and I'd just fall on my face and just weep. I said, God, it's hard. It's hard, but us winning souls, us helping people. And that's what I felt like my call was. So I was trying to be faithful to my calling. I didn't have nobody to teach me, and that's what I feel like's wrong now. There's nobody to instruct people in the ministry about what their ministry needs to be. And that's why I, I'm saying what I'm saying. There's not hardly a church anywhere that has the fivefold ministry functioning in the local body. It's not functioning. And we've got to have it functioning. We're going to get it functioning here in Elijah. I don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to pray something down. We're going to pray something through. We're going to pray something up. We're going to pray something over. We're going to pray something in. We're going to do something. But we're going to get the leadership of the Holy Ghost to get the fivefold ministry working in this church because we've got the habit to come to maturity. If you don't have the if you don't have the fivefold ministry, the Bible said for the work of the ministry. How's the ministry going to work if all of it ain't there? It'd be like you going down here and getting in your car and having three tires on your car. You ain't got that four tire. Ain't nothing going nowhere. You can have a car sitting out there with five or six hundred horsepower in it and have one gear out of the transmission, 
and try to put it in gear. And you sit there and rev the motor. The car ain't going nowhere. Am I making sense? So every component's got to work. Every gear's got to turn. And a pastor called me the other day and was talking to me about some things. And he said, Brother Matter, how? How do we develop? How do we bring forth the church? I said, that's something we're going to prayer about and what we're going to be praying about. I said, well, God's showing me. And I'm fixing to get the evangelist in a few minutes. I said, but if the evangelist were working in the local church and going out in the community and having revivals to add souls to that church and strengthen that church, I said, the churches wouldn't be lacking soul winning. They wouldn't be lacking. It's not the pastor's job to go out here and win souls. That's the evangelist's job. Amen? Everybody wants the world to come into the church and have revival in the church and folks get saved. You ain't going to see that yet. There might be a day you see it. But we fixing to get some evangelists established and they fixing to go out and start breaking up this ground in these local communities. And then I'll work with them. Then I won't, but I don't think evangelists need to be doing what they're doing. There's evangelists, they just go everywhere. I mean, I know several of them. Every time you hear something from them, they're in North Carolina, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana. What are they doing? Going to the church. Trying to encourage people. And the church shouldn't need that much encouragement. How many evangelists we have in the church? Coming to the church when I was there, says Kathy. We had two meetings a year. And other than that, we didn't have evangelists in the church very much. You know why? I ain't their meal ticket. I ain't there to get you an offering because you got a car payment or a house payment or your kidneys braces. I ain't there to give you an offering. And they told me, said, well, Brother Metter, when you start pastoring, said your phone's going to ring off the hook. Evangelists won't come in your church. I said, not my church, they won't. <laughs> not my church, they won't. And I guarantee you, I probably didn't get 50 phone calls in the 15 years I was in Fort Payne, Alabama because they know my standard. The reason this word is different, Sister Pat, it's not just a pastoral word, it's an apostolic word. People tell you, I'm different. My word's different. My word's different. But it's right, and it's real, and it's to ground people and settle them, get them settled in the faith. Amen? We've got to get settled and established and you, go, you can go back 15 years and get my tapes. Brother Justin's got gang, preaching right along the same lines of preaching now. It's just getting deeper. Is that not right? See, my word ain't changed. My word's been to the church. When I was on the evangelistic field, I preached faith, healings, and miracles. Deliverance. But I still ministered to the church. Still had a word to the church, Sister Deborah. And I've always raised up a standard against sin. That's what people don't like about me. They don't like that strong standard. That's the reason they don't call me. Oh, can I come preach? I had one preacher do it one time. He didn't do it again. I'm serious. He called me up. And we was having our camp meeting on the tent. The blue and gold. We had the blue and gold tent up. So I let him come. Seemed like a good man. I let him come. And I went out there and took the service. Built the service as high as I could get it. Walked off that platform and ministered to probably four or five people under that anointing. God set them free. And I turned it to him and it 
let it flop. I said, that shows me you ain't got no ability. And you're just out here preaching for offerings. When I didn't know where to go, I didn't know what to do, and I didn't know where God wanted me to go, I went home sat down for two or three weeks until I got the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Not going to do it. We got to have the eyes of the church. The prophets see things that other people can't see. They hear things other people can't hear. I've told people for years, I wasn't liking myself to be a prophet. I've told them for years, you've heard me say it in church, I can see things you can't see. I can hear things you can't hear. I tell you something, you better listen to me. Because I can hear by the Spirit, I can see by the Spirit, and there's things coming at you. If I see them coming, you better listen to me when I warn you. You better listen to me when I tell you something's fixing to happen. Because if I tell you it's coming, it's coming. It don't have to be bad. Just like we was meeting in Sister Kathy's house, and it was on, what, Friday night? We was meeting there. And I told Sister Deborah after service. The Lord kept dealing with me during service, and I didn't tell her during service. But I sat there after service, and Brother Donald said, Deborah, I looked at Sister Deborah. I said, God, fix and bless you financially. What was it, next day? That was Friday, Monday. She got a big check in the mail, didn't even know it was coming. Several thousand dollars. And Lord, and Lord told me, Lord told me, tell her. Just to confirm the word that's in me, God fix and bless you financially. I told a man went to church down there in Fort Payne. I ministered to him. And I said, God fix and put thousands, several thousand dollars in your hand that you're unexpected. You know what he told his wife when he left church? <laughs> that ain't never going to happen. <laughs> wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't over two weeks. He got a check from the plan he was retired. Got a check from the plan he retired from. Something come up. $16,000. Wasn't even expecting it. And they put it up on a payment plan that every so often he gets several thousand dollars a couple of times a year. Money he didn't even know he had coming. Money he wasn't even expecting. And you know why God done it? Because his nasty attitude, he didn't believe God was with me. And God showed him he was with me. God showed him, made a believer out of him. Ain't God good? I told the Lord, I said, if he don't believe and he don't, I said, send it my way. I'll use it for the kingdom. I'll use it to do something for God. Amen. I'll use it to buy some equipment. I'll use it to help build a church in India. When I was going to India back in the 90s, you could build a church over there for about $3,000, seat about 150, 200 people, because they built them all out of concrete. You don't build churches out of lumber over there, you build them out of concrete, because they don't have lumber in India. You can't hardly find any forest out there where the trees are good for lumber, so they build everything out of concrete. And then from the time I started, went in 91 through 94, I raised enough money through seven, eight, ten different people. We built eight churches in India at three to four thousand dollars a piece, and I built three of them myself. That's how God was blessing me, and I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I'll put my money in souls. I'll put it in the kingdom of God. I'll put it into helping people. Are you? I don't want money for natural things. I don't want money for possessions and riches and stuff out here. I don't want money for fancy homes and fine cars. I want something nice, and I don't believe there's anything wrong with that in God's eyes. Doing, if you do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, I don't believe God cares what you have, as long as you honor Him with it. 
And God asked me for anything I got, any possession, you ought to be willing to give it to him. Because he gave it to you to start with. I've given away tents. I've given away microphones. I've given away full sound systems to help preachers. Because I believe in doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord. So if God blesses me, you can rest sure to one thing. We're going to use it for the kingdom. We're going to, but we've got to have prophets. We've got to have the apostles' ministry. We've got to have the prophets in the eyes of the church. Because without the eyes of the church, you can very easily shipwreck. You can very easily shipwreck. And it said right there in Acts 13 and 1 that there was in the church at Antioch certain prophets and teachers. So see, they worked in the local body. That's what I'm trying to get people to understand. The only ministry we see working in the local church now is the pastor. Am I right? The pastor's what works in the local church. You have some people that say they're called to evangelism, but most of the time they go somewhere, they go off to another church. Man, let's dig some souls out. I used to go preach on the street. I couldn't preach anywhere else. I go preach on the street. I preached on the street many times. Went to jails. Preached in jails. Went to prisons. Preached in prisons. And finally in 77, I told the Lord, I said, if you don't give me a tent, I said, I'm going to go out here and cut me some big pine poles. I said, I'm going to rent me a lot. And I said, I'm going to put the poles up and string me some lights on set the chairs under them. I'm going to have revival in Oak Mare if you don't give me a tent. And I said, I'll do it over there. I preached in Brush Arbors. Anybody know what a Brush Arbor is? That's exactly right. I preached in Brush Arbors. When I preached for Sister Susie and Brother Bobby Timms in their Brush Arbor, my boy was 12. So that would have been, he was born in 89, 99. That would have been right around 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. Because he went with me that night. And they had a big brush arbor up behind their house over on uh, Big Ridge Road down there out of Jasper, Bloodville, wherever it is out there. And had a double wide trailer sit there. And I was in there praying and I looked out the window. And when I looked out the window, the Lord told me, he said, you tell Brother Tim, he's going to build a church right there. I said, okay. So him and Sister Susie come in and I was in there in the kitchen and I was praying and I was waiting for them to start services up on the hill behind their house and I said Brother Bobby he said yeah I said Lord told me you're going to build a church right there he said Brother Peter I ain't building no church right there he said I got a church over at Chatsworth I said Brother Bobby I said I heard the voice of the Lord you're going to build he said Brother Peter I ain't building no church right there I said well you think what you want I said God told me you fix and build a church right there about three years that church was sitting there still there they still having service in it. Nice church. Probably seat 150 plus people. Beautiful church. And people just got in there and helped build it. Because God said it. Amen. God said it. But that night on that brush arbor, Lord slayed my boy in the Holy Ghost, baptized him in the Holy Ghost. And he was 12 and he laid on the ground about 35, 40 minutes. Just laid there and wept before the Lord. To me, that's beautiful. But see, God touched so many people's lives in that brush arbor. Brother Tim's need the church right there. He needed a church right there. And I didn't realize it till just then. But that apostle said, you're going to build a church right there. <laughs> so see, these eyes saw it. These ears heard it. 
So we got to have in the local church, right here, we got to have an apostolic ministry going to govern. We got to have prophets. And we need evangelists and pastors and teachers working right here. I can't do this by myself. I ain't going to try. We're going to get this thing in God's order. But when I'm telling y'all, God spoke me back in 91, told me the church was out of order. He said, in the New Testament church, he said, at Jerusalem, he said, there was a governing body of apostles and elders that governed all the churches. Governed all of them. Is that what the Word says? We've got to have it again. He said, Brother Metter, people ain't going to sit still for that. Yeah, the people God's fixing to save are. People God's fixing to bring in under, because it's the Word. Is it not? It's the Word. Paul didn't set doctrine. As great a ministry as he had, and he wrote three-fourths of the New Testament, he did not establish doctrine in the New Testament church. Now his epistles and his writings have become doctrine, but he didn't establish doctrine. Let me show you. Go to Acts 15. I hope y'all are enjoying this. I'm having a good time. It's different though, ain't it? I started to say something. <laughs> Brother Philip, yes, you send your this day, you send your daddy this DVD, and tell him if he's evangelized and he's just stay with his local church in Florida and win souls down there. He don't need to try to come up here and evangelize. Because <laughs> if he does, he's gonna be out of order. Did I say that out loud? I did, didn't I? But it's right. Evangelists ain't got no business traveling out all the country doing what they call evangelizing. The evangelistic ministry is out of order. If he'd stay in the church, get out here and fight for souls in the local community, the church would be full and you'd have to build bigger churches and you'd have to win more souls. That's how the, uh, the ministry works together. The prophet is the eyes of the church. The apostle founds it, grounds it on the word, ordains the elders in it. The pastor guides it and leads it and shepherds it, tends the flock. The teachers teach the people how to live holy and righteous and clean. And the evangelist goes out and wins souls. The reason ain't nothing happening in the church, we ain't seeing no results. All the ministries are out of order. Is that not right? Yes. Tell me what tell me what church and what ministry is in order. Where's the where's the prophets in the church? Anybody thinks they're a prophet? Well, I'm a prophet. Well, where's your church? Who are you being governed by? Who are you being led by the Spirit by? I got a CD in the mail at Fort Payne the other day. I still hadn't taking time to try to listen to it because I don't listen to just anything. I might listen to it and I told my wife I, was, I might make a frisbee out of it. 
because it came in the mail. I thought it was Brother Mark over in uh, Jasper, Alabama, sending me the word I preached when I was over there, and then he administered on a word, and I asked him to send me what he ministered on. Got it out and got to looking at it. Read the title on it, and it said, North Winds Prophecy Seminar. America's Backup Plan. Came in a little cover, and inside had a little note down the bottom of it. It said, North Winds, Prophet of the Most High God. So, I thought, what in the world? So I said, I better leave that alone. <laughs> Prophets ain't supposed to be a boastful minister. It's supposed to show the church the pitfalls, the errors, what's fixing to happen. So they can be led by the Spirit of God not to get in things they can't get out of. As I'm going to tell you something. Pastors do what they're supposed to do. God don't need to be talking to them like He talks to prophets and apostles. They need to tend the sheep. They need to tend the flock. And teachers need to teach. But all of them got to work together. There's got to be a unity of the Spirit and a unity of the faith between these five ministries. Y'all understand what I'm saying? There's got to be unity. Well, what I see in, in Acts 15, and I'll try to taper it down because I get excited, I get caught up in this. First verse, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brother and he said except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses you cannot be saved trying to preach the law and mix it with grace oh buddy that set Paul off <laughs> when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension or no small upsetness and disputation or disputed with them they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and the elders about this question. See, you had a governing body. And that's what we got to have a governing body. We got to. We got to have hierarchy. It's going to govern the church. Because everything's going on in church now is done by pastors. Pastors govern the church. They set doctrine in the church. They make decisions in the church. And I understand pastor leading the church. But there's some things pastors don't need to be doing. And a question like this, did nobody need to be answered except the apostles and the elders that was at Jerusalem. Am I making sense to y'all? Yes. Got to be government. We don't have any government in the church. The reason church is out of order and reason it's loose. It's like a ship been tied loose from a mooring and it's drifting. We got to get it back on course. Got to get back in order. Amen. Got to get back in order. And. I want y'all go to John the fourth chapter with me. This stuff the Lord put in my spirit the other day and got me excited about it and got my wife excited about it. It deals with a woman at the well in Samaria. And I know I've done told y'all some of it, but I wanna I wanna exhort on it by the scripture.
John the fourth chapter. Now this is, I'm not going to go into all of it, but the Lord told me that when Jesus went by Samaria, and he said, I must needs go to Samaria. In other words, the Spirit led him to Samaria. He, he must needs go through Samaria. When he ministered to the woman at the well, the Lord said it laid the foundation for the revival Philip had in the 8th chapter of Acts. Laid the foundation. Jesus went through Samaria in A.D. 27. Philip's revival in Samaria was A.D. 34, so it's a period of seven years. And it's about 30 miles from Jerusalem to Samaria according to what I could find out, about 30 miles. But Jesus laid that foundation in that woman and what happened to her and the whole town coming out and believing in him standing there two days and preaching, it set the groundwork for that revival seven years later. Now, I'm going to verse 27. I think that's where I want to go. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman Yet no man said, What sayest thou to her, and what, talk, what sayest thou, or what talkest thou? She was a Gentile. And the Jewside Gentiles were dirty dogs. You didn't, you didn't communicate with them. You didn't fellowship with them. You didn't do business with them. You didn't eat with them. You didn't drink with them. You didn't have no dealings with them. The woman then left her water pot and went her way in the city and said, Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came with him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed and said, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? And Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And right there, my wife has studied this. And Sister Kathy, I know y'all studied it. Y'all talked about it. She said, the Lord has showed me many things. She said, but when Jesus went to this scripture in verse 35, which says, Say ye not, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto, the, unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together and herein is the saying true one soweth and another reapeth he said I sent you to reap that were on you bestowed no labor other men labored and ye are entered into their labors she said why did the Lord move to those scriptures she said I've never figured it out I never understood it she said he was ministering to the woman at the well and then he started in on these scriptures and so I told her when the Lord spoke to me about this I said, that's evangelism. That's evangelism. The Lord was laying the groundwork for the evangelistic revival that Philip was going to have when he went to Samaria. I said, that's evangelism. The harvest is ripe. The labors are few. Don't say yet four months and then come to the harvest. See, everybody wants to make excuses while they ain't doing nothing. Time to get something done. Harvest is ripe. So Jesus talked about evangelism right there. He said, you're going to reap things you ain't ever bestowed labor on. You're going to labor, other men's going to reap of your labors. He said, but you're going to reap and you're going to sow together. God's going to bring us together. This ministry got to come together. 
I remember when I was, oh, uh, Lord was dealing with me about going to a town just out of Gainesville called Winder, Georgia. It's back in the 80s, probably around 85, 86. And the Lord kept dealing with me about going, and I just told him I didn't want to go. Imagine that, me telling the Lord I didn't want to go. <laughs> I did. And the Lord just kept dealing with me about it. I said, Lord, well, I don't want to go. And finally told him, I said, God, I don't want to fail. I don't know why that town, because I have been to many towns I don't know nothing about. But there's just something about that town I just didn't want to go. And so the Lord told me. He said, there will be places you go. He said, you draw small crowds. He said, you're breaking ground and sowing. He said, there'll be places you'll go, you'll draw medium-sized crowds. He said, you'll be cultivating and watering. He said, there'll be places you'll go, the tents will pack out, you'll reap many souls, miracles, deliverance. He said, you're reaping what somebody else has sowed. He said, so it all works together. He said, whether you're sowing, whether you're watering or cultivating, or whether you're reaping, he said, there ain't no failures. He said, all just looks different. All just looks different. Amen. We've got to get the five-fold ministry back in the church and get it to working. Right? So we're going to pray about this. It's time to pray. That's one going to be one of the main focuses of our prayer. What did God tell us on January the 2nd? Pray for the restoring of the five-fold ministry. Pray the five-fold ministry come forth. Pray that we get in the place to be baptized in his death. And now we're going to pray for God to give us souls. So we've got these three things to focus on on our Tuesday night prayer. That ain't all we're going to pray about. We're going we gonna to whoop some devils. It's time to get some devils off some people's back. People never wake up and realize Satan's destroyed. They wouldn't fight some of the battles they fight. But the devil knows how to get in your emotions. He knows how to work through situations. And the devil can do folks hurt. So let's pull together. Let's unite together. Let's pull down these strongholds. Let's cast down these imaginations. And let's come against this thing that exalted itself and sets up in the temple. Exalted itself as the knowledge of God. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you something. The devil will tell you the word of God won't work. He'll tell you ain't no way for it to work. Just like he told me. He said, ain't nobody going to believe what you preach. I said, too late, devil. Somebody already does. <laughs> because when this word comes together, to me it makes perfect sense. Anybody that loves God and studies this word, hungry for God, this word will make sense to them. But religious opposition, religious spirits, it withstood Jesus. Spirits of witchcraft out there, and Philip went to Samaria, what withstood him? Witchcraft. Simon, the sorcerer, withstood him. When Paul went in to minister to the, the man in, uh, what was it, Pathos, Sergio Paulius, or by interpretation, the name Bar-Jesus, sorcerer, withstood him. What withstood Moses? Witchcraft, magicians, sorcerers. What withstood Elijah at Mount Carmel? People that had enchantments could call fire down from heaven. That's the reason Elijah said, let the God that answers by fire be God. They said, oh yeah, we can do that. We can do that. We can call fire down from heaven. But in the presence of the true and living God, they couldn't. So, we got things to fight against. We got things warring against us. We got things trying to stop the move of God. We got to make up our mind to fight. Amen. And I'm going to pray, Sister Deborah, that y'all able to get here on Tuesday nights. I know 
that y'all want to and to know what you plan. But may have to pull down some forces. May have to tear down some strongholds. May have to tear up some hide. <laughs> but God knows how to do it. Amen. Will you go to prayer with me? Father, I thank you for this word, for the working of your spirit, for the moving of the Holy Ghost, for what you've done today. And Lord, I believe you're going to further instruct us and teach us where to go and what to do to get the ministry. God, back to working in the local church. That's where you said it. You said, for you have set some in the church. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After this, miracles and gifts of healing. That's your evangelistic ministry, Lord. Then said, yeah, it said you had helps and governments and diversities of tongues. All are not apostles. All are not prophets. All have not gifts of healing and gifts of miracles. Everybody has their place, Father. Help us to get in our place in your body and minister in the several ability that you gave us and come together in the unity of the Spirit that we can be united in this faith. Let it be, Master. God, that the very purpose you set, these ministers in the church can begin to work. Draw us together in unity. Draw us together in love and wisdom and understanding. And we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate the Lord today. Hallelujah. And I pray this word was a blessing to you. I'm going to set the offering buckets down here. Please honor the Lord. Do what's right. Hallelujah. That's all I ever ask. Do what's right in God's eyes. Thank you, Jesus. I knew it was on there somewhere. And y'all know church is over here. I'm over here. And so stand and come on. Obey the Lord and let's do what's right in God's eyes. I appreciate Jesus. Hallelujah. I've enjoyed this today. Amen. I believe it puts a good, solid foundation in us. Amen. I do. I believe it's a good, solid foundation. Bless you. I appreciate you, Sister Deborah. Thank you, Lord. Everybody obeyed the Lord. All right, let's ask God's blessings on this. Don't forget about missions. I didn't have much mission money this week. I think I only had seven, eight dollars. I don't ever like get below twenty twenty dollar bills a week, but sometimes I just. But that's all right. God honors what we do do, right? Father, we thank you for this, Lord. Bless it. Sanctify. Give us the wisdom to use it, Lord. That everything that you want to accomplish here can be accomplished. And we give you honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to pray and we're going to be dismissed. Any announcements? We know about the prayer meeting. We know about the Bible study. And I want to see everybody get involved in this Bible reading. I know sometimes you just got to push things aside. But I'm still trying to catch up. So y'all just go ahead and give me a little bit of time. But we've got to discipline ourselves to the things of the Lord, and I believe this helps. Amen. Yes. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the people that you've drawn together today. I feel like some was hindered, but Paul said once and again, Satan hindered to me. He might hinder us, Lord, but he can't stop us. 
Give us a heart for one another, a love for one another, a unity of the Spirit. Help us fight for the unity of the faith. And God, I'm looking forward to Tuesday night. We can come together and pray and seek your face. Be with us, shadow us, keep us, protect us. God, be with my daughter, Lord. God, be with my daughter and give her a safe delivery. Let everything work okay, Master. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Y'all dismissed. <laughs>